Robert Half Research indicates 9 out of 10 hiring managers are having difficulty hiring. If you have open roles, chances are you're feeling this too. That's why you need Robert Half. Our specialized recruiting professionals engage with our proprietary AI to connect businesses of all sizes with highly skilled talent in finance and accounting, technology, marketing and creative, legal, and administrative and customer support. At Robert Half, we know talent. Visit roberthalf.com today. Welcome to the Fantasy Baseball Today podcast from CBS Sports. Got a fantasy question? Email fantasybaseball at cbsi.com. Get ready to win your league. Where fantasy reality. Now here's Frank, Scott, Chris, and Adam. Opening day is here. Welcome into Fantasy Baseball Today presented by Lining Kugels, our brand new sponsor and one that I am very excited about. We'll have more on the fantastic variety of beverages they offer later on in the podcast. Frank Stanfield joined by Chris Towers. And the birthday boy himself, Scott White. Happy birthday to... Actually, I don't know if we have the rights for that. That might not yeah, be they, a Yeah, they never sing that thing. song in restaurants, right? Because they they don't have the rights to happy, it. Happy, happy birthday from all of us to you. We <laughs> wish it was our birthday so we could party too. Hey. Is that really why they don't sing happy birthday in restaurants? I never That's realized That's what that. I've always heard. In my media <laughs> law class, I think I heard that. Wow. Yeah. I... Mm. um. I didn't have that class, Scott, so <laughs> I'm happy you taught me that. You learn something new every day. Happy birthday, Scotty. How old are you? 21? 27? No, I'm 37. I'm 10 years beyond my prime. I am retirement age now, for yeah, sure. Or For sure. Kick back. You might, get, you might get a spring training invite. I might, if I'm lucky. Non-roster invitee to Fantasy Baseball today. Four, that is... four teams will show up to your tryout. <laughs> Oh, man, what a great gift you got, Scott. Opening day is here. Truly awesome. Happy that we finally made it. Uh, Did you have any birthday cake? I actually did not. It was pretty low-key day. Pretty low-key day. My my mother-in-law took the kids this morning, so I was able to sleep in. I woke up. I got a little little Chick-fil-A for lunch. Very nice. That was a special treat. I got to watch a little TV. Oh, well, they were over there, which, uh, you know, that just an hour of TV like this. This month has been crazy. All right. There hasn't been a lot of a lot of TV on the plate for old Scott Scotty boy. So, you know, that was uh, something I was missing and I got to enjoy that. Had some little uh, it's all coming some up, little Scott. Rice Krispie Easter treats that my wife and kids made oh. little like Rice Krispie treat egg nests with little Cadbury eggs in them. That was, that was good. That was nice. Good. That was fine. I saw that video. 30, I'm 37, you know? Yeah. What do you want from me? <laughs> He's a veteran. He's a veteran in the fantasy baseball game. I did see that video of you eating peeps, so I hope it's a uh, it's a very fortuitous weekend of, of peeps eating for you as well, Scott. So happy birthday there. Uh, today on the show, it is obviously we're getting ready for opening day, so we will talk about the latest news. Adalberto Mondesi is hurt. What else is new there? Uh, the Nationals have COVID concerns. Starting pitchers to add and stream for those in daily leagues. We're going to continue to do that basically every day of the season now. Most More often than not, we will end the podcast with that. Um, but we will do that. And we have our season predictions. We'll have a little fun. We'll talk some awards, division winners, and of course, our World Series prediction. Let's start off with Adalberto Mondesi. Chris, your boy. The season is crumbling already. Mondesi. Placed on the IL with a right oblique strain. Really came out of nowhere. There was no talk about this, no indication, mm-hmm. nothing. Just bam, right in the middle of the day, right before the season starts, Mondesi on the IL, expected to miss a couple of weeks with this oblique strain. And he was having a strong spring, 10 for 33, two home runs and two steals. Chris, what is your diagnosis of the situation? And would you try to buy low if you could? Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I think... Hopefully it's not like a, a super serious thing that'll cost him several months. Oblique injuries can do that and they can, you know, the, the effects of them can tend to linger. But, um, you know, from what it sounds like, it's not like a super serious one. Um, he'll miss a couple weeks and, you know, there's always obliques, I would guess, have one of the highest re-injury or re-aggravation rates uh, among all baseball injuries just because it's so key to... Uh, you know, playing the game, whether you're hitting or pitching. Um, 
So yeah, it's it's concerning. It's especially bad if you drafted Mondesi and punted steals otherwise. Um, but you know, if it's just two weeks, I think he could be fine. You know, I put out the first version of the trade values chart today, and I really didn't move him down too much in reaction to the news um, because I still think he's an incredibly value valuable player to trade. I will say. If I was trading him, I would need full value. And if I was trying to trade for him, I would not give up full value. 100%. Um, but so that, that's, that's how I that's, deal with every trade ever, Chris. So Yeah, but, but that's to say that <laughs> when he's on my team, I'm not just looking to move him. I'm not worried about it. Of course. Yeah, don't overreact yeah. there with Mondesi. Of course, he's dealt with a ton of injuries. Uh, you know, towards the end of 2019, he had shoulder surgery, got off to the slow start last year because of that. And he's dealt with some stuff the past couple of years. And the latest, again, oblique strain for Adalberto Mondesi. The team has already announced that Nicky Lopez will start at shortstop on opening day. And a gentleman named Kyle Isbell is starting in right field. Isbell, a former third round pick from 2018, who also had a strong spring in 123 career minor league games. He batted. 284 with 14 home runs and 35 steals. Scott, any interest in deeper leagues, of course, in uh, Kyle Isbell? I mean, it, it probably have to be an AL only at this point. He doesn't have much of a minor league track record. What he has isn't good. And, you know, who knows what kind of development he made during the lost season. We don't have stats to us to assess him on for that. He did have a good spring, and obviously it was good enough that the Royals won him on opening day roster. I could see him being a modest power speed guy. I mean, yeah, I'm I'm not I'm not moving for Kyle Isbell right now. I need to see something first. Uh, I just have to ask. This doesn't accelerate any type of Bobby Witt timeline, right? Uh, well, I wondered that, but uh, no, no, I wouldn't think so. If 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 it is just a short term thing for Mondesi, two to four weeks, I'm saying, and and I'm with Chris that like. Somebody was asking me how much he should fall if he was drafting tonight. I'd, I'd be thrilled to get him in round six in a categories league. You know, if that happens, I'd be doing a little dance because oh, yeah. season's twenty-seven weeks long. We're talking two to four of those weeks probably right. that Mondesi's going to be out. And as I sit here today, I still predict him to lead the majors in steals by a substantial margin. Yeah, it was uh, someone in our YouTube chat, James C. He was asking. Where do I target Mondesi now? And I answered earlier. I said, I'd probably drop him three to four rounds. So, I mean, if you were taking him in the third round before, get him in the you know sixth or seventh, sure. And that's in a categories league. In a points league, he, he does go much lower than that. How do you replace Adalberto Mondesi? Well, <laughs> you don't. <laughs> but if you need some steals, I found some names on the waiver wire, Chris, who are rostered in under 60% of CBS leagues. Andres Jimenez, this was surprising to me. He's only rostered in 55% of CBS leagues. Yeah. Elvis Andrus in 49%. Isaiah Kiner-Falefa, not very exciting. I get it, but might steal 15 to 20 bases over the course of the season. He is only rostered in 21% of leagues. And then if you play in a points league format, I thought Miguel Rojas and, and Jose Iglesias were both interesting they are rostered in under 40% of leagues. They make a lot of contact, and I think they're going to play every day. So uh, any names stick uh, out to you there? Well, yeah. I mean, it, if you want to go slightly over 60%, I think 62% Jorge Polanco is there. And if you're just looking for a good starter and not necessarily to replace stolen bases, I think Polanco would be somewhere I looked. Do you like any of those names, Chris? Andrews, I think, is is being overlooked pretty much across the board this year. I have him on a handful of teams, and um, I think I'm trying to find it. I thought I saw some talk that he may hit uh, closer to the top of the lineup against like one one type of hitter. I think it was lefties, but yeah, like I, I think there's still. I think in 2019 he stole 30 bases, right? Uh, Elvis Andrews, so. There is definitely still room for him to be uh, a you know valuable fantasy option. I think he was a top twelve guy in twenty nineteen. Actually, yeah, he stole thirty one bases, hit twelve homers, hit two seventy five. Last year was a disaster, obviously, but he only played twenty nine games, so I don't think it's uh, as I remember the, the last four months of twenty nineteen were also a disaster. But th- it doesn't mean he's done. 
I'm just saying, I kind of think he's done. <laughs> Elvis <Yeah>. Andrews. <laughs> Elvis Andrews getting up there in age, turning 33 years old this year yeah. in August, but maybe he'll be motivated. Obviously, the, the Texas Rangers. It was only the last three months, Scott. <laughs> okay. And he still stole 15 bases across right. those three months. What do they so, say, Chris? Uh, full season statistics? Full season statistics are generally more predictive <laughs> than, half se- than half season statistics. Oh, man. Before we get to the rest of the news and notes... If you listen to this podcast, you should also be listening to Fantasy Baseball Today in 5 every weekday. Scott or Chris and myself will catch you up on the biggest news and waiver wire ads from that night in baseball. The kicker is it's only five. It's only a five-minute podcast, which might sound weird, but we pack a lot of info into a short amount of time. It's fun. You should check it out. Download and follow Fantasy Baseball Today in 5 wherever you listen to this podcast. And while we're at it, the madness continues into its final weekend and the Eye on College Basketball podcast remains your audio guide for the entire NCAA tournament. Gary Parrish and Matt Norlander will offer extensive previews and breakdowns of the Final Four and National Championship game. If you want the best March Madness analysis, follow the Eye on College Basketball podcast anywhere you find this one. News and notes, deja vu. One year has gone, not even one year, It's I guess it's, what would that be? Six, seven months? Seven months have gone by and nothing has changed. The Washington Nationals had a positive COVID test on the eve of opening day. They also have five close contacts who are now in quarantine as a result. If you remember last year, the night before, Juan Soto also had a positive test the day before the season. Nationals GM Mike Rizzo said this will, quote, certainly impact the opening day roster. So there could be some big names involved here. Um, The... John Heyman reported that Max Scherzer is not one of them, so he is clear to start for uh, against the I would the guess Soto isn't one of them, right? Just because he's already had it. I mean, maybe not. Maybe the maybe they still play with the um, contact tracing. They still play it carefully, even though he's had it before. But you know, I'm hopeful that means it's not Soto either. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I mean, uh, no idea. I am no. But, I am no doctor, but I'm pretty sure the antibodies kind of wear off over time. So if that's the case, I guess he could still be susceptible to it. Yeah, I mean, I'd back up all your nationals tonight. Yeah, because you just you just don't know. The, yeah. the game starts at 7:09 p.m. Eastern time. So I mean, we should get the lineup well before then, hopefully, and, and we'll know. But uh, yeah, if you were planning to start Josh Bell, Victor Robles, Juan Soto. We're not saying those guys are out, but there definitely is a possibility. So just plan accordingly. Or just there. talk to your commissioner, and if you're the commissioner, be flexible with it. Like you should have you should have made rules for your league last year. You should make rules now. If this kind of thing happens, allow people to declare you know, a backup or something. Is that what you did during the football season? Something like that, Chris? Where Yeah, and, and I'm doing that in baseball or basketball leagues this year. Basically, at the start of the week, you can say, this is my you know, kind of replacement guy in case something happens. And okay. Yeah, so if someone tests positive or if they're contact midweek and yeah. they get ruled out, then you have a, a backup option. Yeah, I think that makes sense. And definitely for those who play in weekly leagues, something you should be looking into. If you play in daily leagues, you should have more IL spots. Uh, you should probably have the IL spots anyway, but uh, it's much easier to handle in a daily league than it is in a weekly league. Joe Girardi announced on Wednesday that Hector Neris will be the Phillies' closer with Archie Bradley and Jose Alvarado being used in setup roles. Neris is only 33% rostered on CBS, which I found pretty low, Scott. That's that's a very low number for Hector Neris. Yeah, uh, I think Archie Bradley was the one getting dri- Somebody right probably is. wishing me happy birthday. Birthday text. Like, 1030 at night, like everybody I know is anyway. Um, it's not for me, I don't think. I uh, what was I talking about? I talk- oh, yeah, I think Archie Bradley was the one getting drafted the most of those three, and then Jose Alvarado had a lot of hype within the community. So, Neris, it, it seemed like if there was a third choice, it would be Neris. You know, it was probably even odds for each of them, realistically. And you know, Neris it's Neris now, pretty good. Neris is pretty good. Mm-hmm. He's like nobody's ever been excited about him, like ever in his entire major league career. I think he kind of stinks, Chris. Um, I mean, he's got a career three thirty eight ERA with a three seventy. Like he's not great, but well, well, a bunch it, of strikeouts. It is an odd year, and if you look at the past four years, yeah, uh, he has been terrible in even years. So the way I described uh, the way I described Naris on Twitter today. I'm not going to be able to find it, but basically like he's always teetering. Yeah. 
but he's good enough to hold on to the job as well. So yeah. like, I'm not going to sit here and today today and say you're good for six months with Neris as a save source, but I don't think his role is one of the most in jeopardy heading into the season either. Yeah. I, I wrote about, I, I did like a glo- closer job security rankings. Um, and he's one of the like 12 who's actually been named the closer officially, or like, I don't know if the, you know, angels ever officially came out and said, Rysel Iglesias is their closer, but I don't think they needed to, you know, that kind of thing. Right. Um, and, you know, when you look at the closer options, he's probably like top 15 or 16 because there's just so few who are actually closers and are actually good that, mm-hmm. you know, he's... It, it depends he's how comfortable you are reading between the lines because I know somebody asked me, Neris or Pagan, Emilio Pagan, who is the guy we're all leaning toward. Yeah. And, and I think he's better than Neris. Yeah. That's a close call. I mean, it's a legitimate ask. And I think, you know, if, if I didn't already have two closers I felt good about, I'd probably lean Neris, the, the, the more certain save source. But, like, uh, he's but you know, better Will, than... Will Smith hasn't officially been named the closer. Jordan Romano yeah. hasn't officially been named the closer. Uh, and, like, I'd rather have those guys. But yeah. Yeah. I'd rather have Neris than, like, Rafael Montero, Greg Holland, Anthony Bass, Jake McGee, guys who we're, like, assuming are yeah. the closers, but, you know, yeah. aren't particularly good yeah so that would put him right in that middling rp2 closer two range for fantasy baseball purposes and the last thing i'll say about naris is he is that split finger pitcher that i've talked about similar to kevin gosman where you see so much volatility year over year and especially in his walk rate because i mean it's just such a hard pitch to command so uh it's a really good splitter but if you don't have it working that day i mean it's he doesn't really have much else, so he throws it almost 50% of the time. Uh, but when it's on, he does get a lot of swings and misses. Again, Hector Neris, the closer for the Philadelphia Phillies. Andrew Vaughn, are you serious, Tony La Russa? Are we, we're really doing this already. Opening day. Andrew Vaughn will not be in the White Sox lineup on opening day. Leori Garcia will be in left field, and Zach Collins will start at DH. Now... This is, I'm not just saying this is ridiculous because I am heavily invested in Vaughn, but that is part of the reason. (laughs) But you are being aggressive in calling up Andrew Vaughn and you are foregoing whatever extra year of service time you you would get by leaving him down in the minors to have him on your bench, to not even start him. I mean, this would be like a couple years ago when the Padres had Tatis on their opening day roster, him just being on the bench. It does not make any sense to me so i am very frustrated scott if you are in a longer weekly league an 11 day week would you bench andrew vaughn because of this no i wouldn't i wouldn't bench andrew vaughn because of this i did sit him for joey Votto in an 11 game week Votto might not even play on opening day either chris yeah we don't know that Votto is back to full strength after a yeah uh, what sounds like he he was pretty sick i mean look Um, it's it's I think it's dumb. It is dumb. It's very, it is dumb. And I wonder, it is kind of an old school manager thing though, to want to get everybody involved early in the season. Um, And, you know, maybe he's thinking, uh, who are they facing that first game? They are going uh, up against Dylan Bundy. I, Dylan I did Bundy, read that. So righty, and they got a lefty the next day. So maybe he's yeah. thinking, okay, I'll get the right-handed batter in against the lefty. But I don't think that means like Zach Collins and Andrew Vaughn are in a platoon now, and you have to worry about Vaughn sitting half the time. I don't think that's what it means. I think it's just. I hope not. <laughs> kind of an old school manager thing to to get everyone involved right away, and uh, and yeah, give the give the veteran the start on opening day. Let I the guess there is kind of take some, things in, you know. There is some risk, I guess. Yeah, I mean, that, I, like, I'm a big volume guy, so I, I want my players to play. Oh, well, for, for me, sure. it's more like if he if he hits well, but not amazingly, and he's really bad on defense, which should be the expectation. He was drafted as a first baseman. I don't know if he's ever played the outfield. Um, and like. If Zach Collins is perform outperforming him, which I don't, I don't expect that to happen. Uh, you know, there's a chance he does lose playing time. Let's just run through this list. I have uh, start percentage up right here. I would start Miguel Sano over Vaughn. I know he's going to play. Ryan Mountcastle. Bobby Dahlbeck, I would start over Andrew Vaughn. Well, this is where you kind of draw the line. Yuli Gurriel. 
you know he's going to play, but he's not very exciting. Would you start someone like Yuli Gurriel over Andrew Vaughn? No, and I, I don't think I would have started all the guys you named over Vaughn either. I would start Sano over him. But not Mount Castle and not Dahlbeck. Um, maybe Mount Castle. I would Dahlbeck, start. My, I'm not sure. I would start guess, CJ Cron. I, I know it. So the white, even if we're talking about a short week, just the if if your week one is just four day weekend, I'm gonna I'm gonna bet Vaughn starts the other three of those games. I'm gonna bet that. How much are you willing to bet, Scott? <laughs> <laughs> a win in week one. That's what I'm willing to bet. All right. If you think of I something, sure hope so. If you think of something you want to bet on throughout the course of the podcast, <laughs> I will I will take you up on that because I I think that at most he will play two games over the weekend, which is just very frustrating. The White Sox do have four games planned for this upcoming weekend. Uh, the presumed Reds starting pitcher Michael Lorenzen had a small setback with his right shoulder strain, while Sonny Gray is expected back from his mid back strain sometime in mid April. As expected, Jonathan India will be the uh, with the Reds on opening day and likely starting at second base. Joey Votto... Only we, likely. What's up? They might sit him for opening day. Yeah, that's true. Joey Votto, <laughs> uh, who is still working his way back from COVID, is currently, uh, I guess, questionable would be the term. It said his status is TBD, to be determined. So we will get that lineup tomorrow, and hopefully Joey Votto is in it. Luis Garcia was named the fifth starting pitcher for the Houston Astros. He actually has... Phenomenal numbers in the minor leagues, uh, bouncing between the bullpen and the rotation there. 2.50 ERA, 1.17 whip, 284 strikeouts, and 205 innings pitched. He is only 10% rostered and has SPARP eligibility. Chris, we were talking beforehand, and you said you've been adding Luis Garcia in points leagues, so you can use him as a SPARP. Yeah, he is um, He is my, art, my SPARP in two different leagues. I'm sorry, I'm... I'm trying to look up his... He was in the majors last season. I'm just trying to look up what his numbers were. Uh, unfortunately, there are several Luis Garcias. There are a lot. So it's kind of hard to sort through them. Uh, um, last year, he pitched 12 and a third innings, 2.92 ERA, 0.97 whip. Yeah, so yeah, I, so. It's super small sample size, but... Yeah, but not bad. Um, sorry, there are three active Luis Garcias right now. <laughs> Yeah, um, he's kind of like he's kind of like Christian Javier, where you know it's not like he was some super highly regarded prospect, but you look at the minor league numbers and you're like, wow, that strikeout rate blows me away. In 2019, 13.9 K per nine for Luis Garcia. Um, you know, for what it's worth, he had only nine strikeouts in those 12 and a third innings last year, and we haven't really seen Christian Javier carry over the big strikeout rate either. But he's a spark. There aren't that many good ones. I'm not saying he is a good one, but you know, he at least has something in the minor league track record to suggest he might develop into something. And yeah, I've got him and Jose De Leon starting in the uh, podcast points league. So yeah, what can go Ooh, wrong, Chris? Yeah. Old, <laughs> you know. At least for week one, I we'll like see it. what happens. I like it. Uh, Garcia, it does seem more bold, bold than starting Andrew Vaughn. Garcia is um, in the rotation because Jake Odorizzi is unlikely to make his season debut until April 13th at the earliest as he continues to uh, build up his arm. He got a late start to spring because he did not sign with the Astros until early March. Reminder that Arolas Chapman is suspended for the first two games of the season, which means Chad Green would earn save opportunities if need be for the New York Yankees. The following players have been placed on the injured list. Some were expected. One, yeah, only one, uh, maybe not. George Springer with his oblique, Robbie Ray with a bruised elbow, Mike Soroka, with his Achilles, Luke Voigt with his knee injury, and Kyle Lewis, which is one that I was monitoring. Uh, he sat out the past, I want to say, week or so with the Mariners. Uh, he was placed on the IL dealing with a knee injury. Scott, who are you thinking starts in Kyle Lewis's absence? Well, that's a bone bruise, by the way, in that knee, and that can sometimes be a scary injury. So I was watching it closely, too. I got Kyle. I had Kyle Lewis on my best list, but I got him for really cheap in a couple leagues. Um, he's, he's always going to hurt me, Kyle Lewis. I think Jake Fraley probably gets the at-bats there in for right now. I mean, it, I, I think it's possible Jared Kelnick comes up before Kyle Lewis comes back, but maybe not. Maybe, maybe Lewis is only out a couple weeks. and Fraley's sort of low-key interesting. Yeah. Uh, yeah. He's been awful in the majors. Um, 
But, you know, 250 minor league games, 70 steals, 26 homers. Uh, between AAA and AA, only 99 games, 22 steals, 19 homers. So uh, there's, a, there's s- a chance he's rosterable in deeper leagues. I would say, though, that if you're deciding on, on an outfielder to pick up in a deep league, Taylor Trammell, who, or yes. Trammell, I think it is, who, who beat out Fraley for the left field job. Trammell's obviously going to play center to start the season. He's only 31% rostered himself, and that would be the preferred pickup to Fraley. Yeah, yeah I think he's worth rostering in all category or roto leagues. Yeah. Five outfielder. Five yeah. outfielder leagues for sure. 31% rostered on CBS is Taylor Trammell. Has a bit of a power speed combination and, and also coming off a monster spring. So has some prospect pedigree. Came over from the Padres last year. Now with the Mariners. The following players were dealing with something in spring training, dealing with an injury, but will be good to go for opening day. That includes Aaron Judge, Anthony Santander, Mike Yastrzemski, and Tommy Listello with the San Francisco Giants. Are you serious? Yes. I just... Is it, it's breaking news. Something got, with the Knicks again? I just got... We did this too before we went live. <laughs> oh my God, the Knicks lost by one point. Oh. No, this one, this one actually matters. Okay. Yeah, so we got some breaking news coming in. Uh, Shohei Otani will start the season on the IL due to a blister he suffered <laughs> on Monday. This That's is, unfortunate, uh, but it'll be backdated to... What is that? The 29th, so he'll probably be able to play by the 9th. So... Sit him for the first week if it's a long week. Sit him for the second week if, if you're doing both. Um, but he should be fine. I mean, based on the way they were talking and the fact he was in the lineup the next day, I would guess this is an abundance of caution move. Just, you know, let's not... We're going to have to preserve innings anyway. Let's not, uh, let's not have this become a recurring issue for him. But yeah, that stinks. Take him out of the lineup too, Otani, in week one. Happy yeah, and- April Fool's Day, guys. Oh, what? Oh. Don't do that. That's not okay. <laughs> that is never funny. That April Fool's Day is the worst April Fool's. That is unacceptable. Uh, that is implausible. Oh, yeah. I can't I mean, believe no, it you're was that kind of person, Frank. I can't believe oh, you are that kind of person. I thought I knew you better. Unacceptable. I can't tell if you just went along with it, Chris, or if you... <laughs> no, I I was legitimately duped. Yeah. All right. I, I'll take your word I am for it. one of the most gullible people <laughs> of all time. I was like, until I was like 10 years old, I believed all of the fireworks on the 4th of July were for my birthday. <laughs> like I was embarrassing. I think I was like nine when I figured out Santa wasn't real. I am yeah. oh, too man. trusting. And you just took advantage of my kind, trusting nature. Um, mm. And now I can't trust you ever again. You were nine years old, huh? When you found out Santa. Um, I, I cannot reveal what age, how old I was when... Uh, when I, I, I was older out. than nine, Frank. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You, you and me are in the same boat, Scott, because... I was, yeah. uh, my, I was well, very... And, and, and in fact, it was revealed to me... Are, are we doing? Are, are kids listening to this podcast? Should we not be talking about this? Yeah, we probably shouldn't because this is this is a family podcast. So some people might listen to it with their kids around. Everything that we just said is a joke. It's April Fool's Day. We're gonna move on. I mentioned earlier that we have a new sponsor, one that I am very excited about. And no matter where you are, today is opening day, and there are a few things I enjoy more in life than sitting down to watch baseball with a beer in my hand. Line and Kugels is that beer for me. The variety that they offer is outstanding, starting with their famous Summer Shandy, which literally tastes like summer in a bottle. The Shandy is a crisp beer with refreshing lemonade flavor. They also have a Session Hellas, which has all the flavor of a crisp German-style beer, but it's only 99 calories. And if you are into IPAs, Huh, Chris? I know you are into IPAs. Line and Kugels offers their Lemon Haze IPA, which is a well-balanced, hazy IPA that blends hops with delicious lemonade. I actually went on a family vacation last year, and the resort's bar sold Line and Kugels Summer Shandy, and it was the first time I tried it, and I was hooked. It was truly amazing. Of course, an ice-cold beer on a hot summer day is enticing enough, but you add lemonade to that mix... And that is just a complete game changer. Just head on over to liney.com. That's 
L-E-I-N-I-E.com for more information about all the delicious beers from Lining Kugels and where to find them. So Also, I, I just want to point out their sunset wheat. Oh yeah. Tastes like fruity pebbles. Ooh. It is delightful. <laughs> I love it. Delightful. We are in on the line and kugels. Something that we will do usually at the end of every podcast in season. Uh, it will run through the starting pitchers for the next day and tell you who we're going to stream, you know, who we're avoiding. To stream or not to stream is what we will call this segment. Not very creative, but uh, I kind of like it, so I'm going to roll with it. So these are pitchers that are rostered in less than 70% of CBS leagues. Some of them we already spoke about. Some of them we haven't. So... Obviously, there are not many options because it's opening day. That means all the aces are starting, and I'm not going to tell you to start your aces because you should already know that. John means business. Does he actually? Scott, you had him as a sleeper, and he is in Boston going up against the Red Sox. Kind of a tough lineup to stream or not to stream. I don't plan on starting John Means in anything shallower than 15 teams, but I also invested a lot in pitching, and I don't think John Means was ever more than my seventh starter, so why would I start John Means? You know, like, people are asking me, well, why you recommended this guy when your season-long rankings have John Means ahead? Well, my season-long rankings are accounting for the possibility that John Means was is like this breakthrough ace, picks up where he left off his last four starts last year. But like, I want to actually see it first because I think the other scenario for John Means is you're dropping him two weeks from now, you know? So uh, I'd rather give him some time and let it play out than stick him in my lineup right away, especially for an iffy matchup like that. Yeah, and this is more so for, for daily leagues, people trying to find pitchers to stream or whatever. I don't know. It's a little dangerous on opening day, obviously. Um, but yeah, Nathan Avaldi. On the other side here, going up against the Baltimore Orioles at home. What do you think, Chris? Would you stream him or not? I would rather stream him than John Means. I agree with that, actually. I, I don't know if that means I would stream Nathan Avaldi in a vacuum, but he is the best of the options on the board, I think. Well, how about Brad Keller versus the yeah, Texas Yeah, he's Rangers? the other one versus the Rangers. He, he could be a better streamer than Avaldi, but I think Avaldi has more strikeout potential. I would agree with that. I don't mind Brad Keller. He's not going to get a lot of strikeouts, but... Oh, <laughs> all right. David Bowie, you're right. Um, Brad Keller... She was annoying me, so I had to annoy her so she would leave me alone. <laughs> Brad Keller should go deep into his start again against the Texas Rangers. That is a plus matchup by my estimation. Matthew Boyd. You know, we've tried the Matthew Boyd thing many times, but I will point out, going up against the Cleveland Indians, and they've already announced that Yu Chang and Jordan Luplo will be in the starting lineup, so... I'm kind of intrigued by this one, Scott. Well, Luplo is going to be in the starting lineup because he tends to hit lefties well. I'll point that out. That's that's a relative yeah. term for, uh, for Jordan Luplo, I, I would say. I, I mean, Matthew Boyd is my number 10 sleeper starting pitcher for this week. That puts him behind John Means. Uh, so, probably not. But, you know, if you're desperate enough, I could see it. Mm-hmm. I was I was gonna look up Jordan Luplo's splits for his career against left pitching. I will pitching. point out. Let's see what we got here. Among teams that Matthew Boyd has faced at least five times, he has his best career ERA against Cleveland. That is four thirteen, so it's still not good. <laughs> but you know. Oh, you know, I actually looked up the weather for that game too because I had to decide whether I wanted to start him in a fifteen-team oh. league. And it's going to be 33 degrees, 17 mile per hour winds in Detroit. So the ball will not be traveling very well yeah. in Detroit. So a very cold day. Get Matthew Boyd in there. Uh, I would like to apologize to Jordan Leplo because he actually destroys left-handed pitching in his <laughs> career. 982 OPS. The guy is absolute slaughter against left-handed pitching. Uh, Chad Cool against the Cubs. No, not even going to ask you guys. Kyle mm -hmm. Gibson at the Royals. I assume no. 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 Fair enough. No. Uh, if you were watching on the video side, don't go anywhere. If you were listening to the podcast, we we're going to take a quick break. But when we return, Chris is going to tell you what you should be watching on opening day. We'll do that right here on Fantasy Baseball Today. Survivor 46 is here and so is On Fire, the only official Survivor podcast. And we have a twist this season. The winner of Survivor 45, D. Valladares, will be joining us every week. We're going behind the scenes of the biggest moments, the how and the why things happen, and the strategy and analysis you can only get from someone like me, a Survivor winner. Listen to On Fire, the official Survivor podcast, wherever you get your podcasts. 
Chris, among the, I want to say 30 articles that you wrote this past week, uh, <laughs> you, you wrote about what you should be watching for on opening day. So if you would like to tell the people what they, what, what are they watching? What are they looking for? Well, actually something that we probably should have mentioned before, you know, potentially ruining countless childhoods. Um, <laughs> oh my gosh. Uh, there was a story on the ringer today that uh, the ringer.com that um, talked about the, the new baseball and some of the evidence that we have from spring training. And I pointed this out, you know, pretty early on in spring training that the home run per batted ball rate was higher than it had ever been in spring training. Um, And that stayed true throughout the spring. So my assumption was that they weren't using the new ball. Uh, But then there were, you know, Blake Snell talking about the new ball and how it felt and all, and all this stuff. And, you know, so the ringer did some research and they did find that over the course of spring, there did appear to be two different balls being used. One of them had less drag, which was what we expected from this new ball. The, uh, what MLB said was that they made minor alterations to the baseball that would reportedly cause the ball to travel one to two feet shorter on batted balls hit over 375 feet. What the evidence seems to suggest so far is that actually on batted balls hit over 100 miles per hour with a 32 to 24 degree launch angle, they traveled 10, 10 feet fewer, 10 feet less, less on average than they have in years past. So that is a significant change. The problem was it seems to add about a mile per hour to exit velocity on average. And so the net effect so far appears to be that the ball is bouncier, but when it's hit at a 100 mile per hour ball hit this year would travel less far than it would have last year. So but how is it? How is it bouncier? That doesn't, that but that seemed like there's the a difference between because there's a difference between drag and the like bounciness of the baseball. Yeah, I thought so they the, were supposed to be making it less bouncy, but it might have reduced drag, so it might. Apparently, that is the opposite out. of what we've seen so far. Uh, wow. But the overall impact was uh, the highest home run rate uh, ever in spring training, and also, and this might even <laughs> it appears. MLB just completely bungled this one because it also uh, added an average of 0.45 extra inches of vertical movement to fastballs and uh, 0.3 inches on curveballs. So the increased drag on the baseball caused it to move more while thrown. And in addition to probably just pitchers being able to grip the ball better, which is what they've talked about anecdotally. Mm-hmm. So the gap so, at starting pitcher is going to widen more. Well, so the league-wide strikeout rate was nearly 25% this spring. And in the last, I believe it was 30 years, there has only been one season where the strikeout rate has been lower in the regular season than in the spring. So it could be a situation where we are looking for... Well, what's a normal at, league average strikeout rate? Uh, it's been like, tw- I think last season was like 23.4%. The year okay, before it was, was like 22.8, okay. something like that. So it's been moving steadily up. So um, basically it sounds like they're just promoting three true yeah, outcomes even more. It seems like this is early evidence. And obviously it's noisy because not every game was uses the stat man, the Hawkeye stack has tracking and not, uh, well, are they sure? I, I didn't read the article, but are, are they sure that they were able to narrow down which balls were the new ones and which ones they, were the old ones? They seem to they seem to be able to identify traits in given batted balls that were markedly different enough that they could tell which one was the which one. Um, OK. And so based on this preliminary data. It seems like we're going to have potentially more strikeouts and more home runs or at least more home runs per batted ball. So like Frank said, yeah. The gap's going to widen. More three true outcomes. pitchers are going to be even studlier. uh, And the non-stud pitchers are going to be even more vulnerable. It is... um, Gosh. It seems like the exact opposite of what Rob Manfred's stated goals for improving the the game have been over the last couple of seasons. And um, I don't know. It's 
it's really strange and and trying to figure out like who this might affect most i i think is sort of impossible to to do because you know maybe the drag is greater on balls that are hit further but balls that are hit further you know i i don't know i i i trying to identify which type of player might benefit or or stand to lose the most from this I, I think is probably a fool's errand right now um but yeah it's big it, it's a big deal i think um, yeah no it's good that, that you brought it, it up could monumentally change the the landscape again and frankly it's a really bad look for major league baseball that they apparently keep introducing these like environmental shifting uh, baseballs every couple of years that just completely change how the game is played. Yeah, I mean, as if Major League Baseball needed more publicity for all the wrong reasons, right? It's, yeah. I mean, it's not the worst thing, but it just, it does seem contradictory. Ultimately, it seems like they want to, just from a pure baseball perspective, they want to speed the game up. And I guess more home runs and more strikeouts would do that because less runners on base. Yeah, but they want more action in general. I think yeah, that's, that, really that's what's contradictory about it because they're also... Well, you're, you're claiming conspiracy here, Frank. You're saying they said they meant to do one thing, but they actually did this other thing on purpose. I, I mean, that's what, it, that's what it seems like to me, but mm. they're, they're trying out these new rules in the minor leagues where uh, there's going to be no shifts. So that is obviously promoting more in-game action. Yeah, yeah. but... Yeah. I, I think uh, weird, very weird. What's the way the Rob Arthur, who uh, was co-writer of that story, along with Ben Lindbergh and the ringer, there were two baseballs getting used in spring training, one with higher measured drag and one with lower drag. The higher measured drag ball popped off the bat a lot quicker and went out of the yard 20% more often. It also moved more on breaking pitches. Wow. We think the higher drag ball is the new one because te- teams started using it more and more as spring training went on. It would make sense that, they went through through, through their old uh, store of balls before using new ones. But it but it's behaving more like it's, it's like behaving. a more extreme version of yeah what we've seen. Um, I don't know. So yeah, uh, regardless of which baseball the league uses in 2021, league wide spring training stats are usually a very good indicator of how the game will change in the regular season. These stats suggest large boosts in K's and home runs, leading to even more of the true, th- three true outcomes. This year, home runs have been going up since late 2015. The best explanation for what's happening to the ball is a lack of control over manufacturing, but random manufacturing variation generally shouldn't push the ball continuously in more one consistent direction towards more and more homers. So that's the first thing that I want to watch on opening day and in the first week um, is, you know, is there evidence of this? And obviously one day won't tell us, but the nice thing about StatCast data for all, you know, 30 major league stadiums is, we're going to get a pretty robust sample size very early on. Um, so, you know, it might only take three or four days before people can start looking at the data and say, well, you know, it does seem to be this or it does seem to be that. And, you know, the early indication is that we could be seeing another, you know, kind of seismic shift in the the landscape, which is awesome to learn 24 hours before first pitch. <laughs> I saw you Darvish was joking today. Uh, he responded to a reporter saying that uh, hopefully MLB can can uh, introduce the universal DH tonight. I would love like to the, see that. the night before opening dance. Like, well, um, I, I mean, I, they did playoff changes like uh, in the middle of the season last year. So who knows? I, um, I appreciate the optimism, you Darvish, but I don't think it's going to happen, buddy. <laughs> some of the other things I'm looking for on opening day, I think, are you know fairly straightforward. What do the lineups look like? You know, specifically, you know, is Victor Robles batting leadoff? Um, you know, where does Andres Jimenez hit? There, there are a handful of guys whose value could change dramatically. Who's throwing faster or slower? Casey Mize is one guy. You know, when he makes his first start, I want to see him sustain the spring training velocity gains. Um, Patrick Corbin, you know, we want to see if, you know, it did seem like his velocity was ticking up as spring training went on. You'd like to see him, you know, averaging 90 instead of 89. Um, he was throwing 93 Stroud's in that last start. So peaked, uh, at, peaked at it. Yeah. No, no, no. I, every fat, I, I watched some highlights of his last start and every fastball I saw him throw was 93. Well, that'd be, that'd be a big deal. That, um, yeah. Steve Strasburg, obviously with his injury. Yeah. It's interesting you bring that up, Scott, because the, I saw a report 
in Brad Hand's final appearance, I said he was throwing 95 to 96. Obviously, they both, both Corbin and Hand played for the Nationals. And then the same person who tweeted that out said, all right, maybe, maybe the gun is hot in the stadium because Brad Hand has never yeah. averaged more than 93 miles per hour on his fastball. So it might have been you the same the thing. You love the hot gun, Frank. It might you have love been, the hot gun theory. <laughs> it might be the same thing for <laughs> both of those guys. but uh, Maybe. Yeah. yeah, that's why I hate the stadium gun versus stack cast thing. And that's yes. why they just need to... How much can it cost to to put a Hawkeye thing at every stand? Can we just get this thing done? Honestly, I never heard the term Hawkeye camera before you brought it up the other day, Chris. And I think you... Yeah, I think that's the new version of StatCast. Yeah. It, it uses uh, radar instead of cameras, I think. I don't know. Yeah. I actually don't uh, know the exact difference. I just know that it's new and supposedly more accurate. Oh, no, no, no. And then who's throwing new pitches? Tyler Glass now has got the slider slash cutter thing. Uh, Carlos Rodon you know, appears to have a curveball now. So, you know, over the first turn through the rotation, I think we'll want to keep track of guys who might be throwing new pitches and, uh, you know, who gets the call for the first save for Cleveland and uh, Arizona and, you know, most of the league, frankly. Um, you know, we'll, we'll want to see that too. Yeah, for sure. Season-long predictions. What do you guys want to start with? Would you rather do division winners and World Series, award winners... Yeah, let's do division winners and World Series. All right, so let's start off in the American League. We'll start with the AL West. Who do you guys have winning the the AL West this season? The West? No East Coast bias here. Well, I've got those dirty Astros (laughs) winning the AL West. Um, You know, if I started with the AL East, Scott, I would have got at least one tweet like, oh, Yankee Homer, blah, blah, blah. Yeah, well, that's just just how they're always shown in the, you know, in the... (laughs) In the newspaper, newspaper, and on the internet, um, yeah, I got those dirty Astros winning the West. I still think, uh, I think their lineup is clearly the best in the division, and I think they're pit, they're 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 one through five, especially when everybody's healthy, can go toe to toe with anyone in the, the division. Either their bullpen is a major weakness, and I think you know the Athletics and Angels will be nipping at their heels, but I think the Astros pull it out. They went to the ALCS last year, after all, despite their under 500 record. Yep. They have experience as well. Uh, I have the A's winning the American League West because they're kind of like the Rays in that way where they're just, they don't really have superstars, but they're always pesky and they don't really have an ace on their staff, but they have a lot of solid depth and, and their bullpen is still really good even after losing Liam Hendricks. So I think it will be close. I have the Astros gaining one of the wild card spots, but the Oakland A's winning the AL West. What do you think, Chris? I have the Astros winning the division as well, and I have one the Angels taking one of the wild card spots. Um, and I actually have the Mariners finishing third because oh, I'm man. I'm liking the Mariners this year. I think so they you got, got the Athletics fourth. Athletics fourth, yeah. Rangers. Wow. See what the the thing about the athletic like this was one of the tougher divisions. I felt like um, just to pick the whole order of like a lot of Athletics underperformed last year in, in the lineup, especially. Mm-hmm. And yet they won the division and they won it by a big margin. Yeah. 60 games, but still. Mm-hmm. I had a hard time putting them too low. They've got an excellent defense, which always helps. Yeah. American League Central. Chris, why don't you get us started? Because uh, you have a different answer than we do. Yeah. Yeah. I'm not following the the way I had White Sox fans annoyed at me all day on Twitter. Mercy! Uh, and uh, I'm picking the <laughs> Cleveland baseball team to win the American League Central. Wow, uh, I, I thought you guys got, were a couple of Cleveland haters. Wow. I, I think they've got the best rotation in the uh, division still and um, you know, even after giving everybody away. And, and you hate Plesak. I think the White Sox have a great bullpen, but Cleveland's is right there with them. I mean, the, the end of that bullpen, if you can get if the starters can get through seven innings or, or six innings, it's going to be real hard to, to come back on a bullpen that can throw out Emmanuel Class A, James Karinczak, and Nick Whitgren in some order. I mean, this is so. the division of bullpens. I mean, everybody but the Tigers has a great bullpen here. Yeah, I mean, in the, the American League, the nice thing is fifth place was easy in every division. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Rangers, Tigers, and Orioles, yeah. 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 I will just point out for um, for Cleveland... <laughs> As much as Scott likes Plesak and I've been talking up Savale, I mean, they have some question marks, legitimate question marks in their rotation after Shane Bieber. So Bieber's going to be awesome, but I actually think uh, the the White Sox rotation is a little bit more complete where they're at at this point. So uh, 
I'll take the four and five on Cleveland by a, a decent margin over Chicago's. I know we like Dylan Cease, but like, let's see more than one great spring training start before we you start like, talking about him. You like Carlos Rodon a lot. Well, we all like Carlos I, Rodon, I, but especially I, I, you. I, I'm just going to say, if we're going to say that Cle- Cleveland has rotation questions, yeah. You know, Chicago's I, got real big road. And the thing I, with Chicago for me is just, if everything goes right, I think they're by far the best team in the American League Central, but they have right. no depth at any position. Like, And it, it's been exposed already. <laughs> yeah, just I mean, stick Andrew Vaughn out in left field. Starting, yeah, they're starting Larry Garcia and Zach uh, Collins and a guy who's never played above single A and has never played left field. Like, I like Andrew Vaughn. I think he's going to be awesome, but that team, like, they could not afford a Jose Abreu injury. All right. We, just at all. We've got to move a little faster. Scott, who do you have winning the American League Central? I have the White Sox. I agree with what Chris said about how if every, if everything goes right for them, like, it's there's a lot more that can go right for them. And I, I like what their new pitching coach, Ethan Katz, is doing. I think the rotation has a lot of upside, the back end, too. Uh, and I like their lineup the best. I, I do have the Twins over the Indians for second place, and the Twins are one of my wild cards. That was a close call, though. I kind of wanted to put the Indians ahead uh, because I feel like I feel like more can go wrong for the Twins. Their lineup is old and injury-prone and not as good as I remember it being at this time last year. Yeah. Um, but I went ahead and put them ahead because I, I think their one through, one through three in the rotation is really solid still and good bullpen. Yep, I'm with you there, Scott. I have Minnesota second in the division, and they are my second wildcard team along with the Astros. So I've got the White Sox in the AL Central, the A's in the AL West, Astros and Twins in the uh, for the wildcard, and of course in the AL East. Oh my good goodness gracious! It's the Bronx Bombers winning the division. I, yeah, I got the Blue Jays winning the wild card. Okay, but you have the Yankees winning the division. Yeah. Okay. What do you yeah. think, Scott? Yeah, it's it's really hard to pick against the Yankees. They yeah. they still, even when half their team gets injured, it, it, they have they have depth too. They have depth in the rotation. They have depth in the lineup. Uh, I do have the Blue Jays over the Rays. I, I thought that would be more unpopular than it seems to be. But you look at that Rays lineup, and you're like, how did how did they like they would they were they won they won two thirds of their games last year. How did this happen? Yeah. Yeah, uh, and and obviously they don't have Blake Snell anymore, so the rotation looks or pretty. Or Charlie Morton, yeah, or Charlie Morton, yeah. Their rotation, their rotation looks like uh, a bunch of has-beens. Yeah, I'm not seeing it for the Rays. So yeah, I got Yankees uh, winning and and Blue Jays as a wild card. Yeah, I wanted to get the Blue Jays in as a wild card team. I think it's close. I think they'll be up there. I like the Astros and the Twins a little bit more. I think they're a little bit more complete, but the Blue Jays offense is going to be fun. I just worry about their pitching staff outside of Hyunjin Ryu. Yeah, they got a little bit of the White Sox thing where, you know, they don't have a a ton of depth. Although I think they probably have more positional versatility among their guys. Uh, Who do you guys have coming out of the American League? Uh, Yankees. Yankees. All right. I actually have the White Sox over the Yankees, so I'm very bullish on, on the White Sox this season. You didn't want to be a homer. Yeah, I mean... I, I got to tell you, Frank, I really wanted to pick the Braves to win the World Series. <laughs> I didn't. Spoiler alert. But I really want... I could definitely carve out a path for them, you know? Because the, the wild card teams... Well, we'll get to it. We'll get to it. You know, yeah, let's yeah. do it. And and that's... like I want to choose the Yankees, but A, it is a it is a homer pick. And as long as Aroldis Chapman is their closer in the postseason, I'm sure that something bad is going to happen. So uh, <laughs> that's just... That's what's happened the past couple of years. Uh, let's go over to the National League, and we'll start off with the NL West. Who do you guys have there? Dodgers. You're the only one who didn't pick the Dodgers. And frankly, you're... I get it. You like the Padres. Come but on, it's the man. It's all it's the about... Come on. The Padres have... Get out of here. The Padres have a great team. It's the a World Dodgers Series have, hangover. World Series hangover, dude. The Padres are taking that division. That only happens to the team that loses. Is that true? I don't, I don't, <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. But the Padres were amazing and then added... The, the Dodgers have been the best team in the NL for, what, five years? At least three years. And then they added the NL Cy Young winner sure. to that. But look they at what have, the Padres added they to, have Scott. They three MVP front runners and three Cy Young front runners. Are you yeah, kidding like me? I mean, like, the, look, Padres the Padres might be, awesome. The yeah. Padres might be the second best team in baseball, but they're in the same division as the Dodgers. <laughs> but Cody, Cody Ballinger is going to get hurt. 
And it's not like the number of things that have to go wrong for the Dodgers not to win a hundred games. I don't know. <laughs> we'll see. Like we'll see. I think they closed three starters, and I would still feel confident in them winning 100. <laughs> right. Got Tony Gonsolin would be most like games number two. Like if Dustin May, Tony Gonsolin, and David Price are in the rotation all year, they're fine. It's <laughs> still a 100-win team. It's just, they're, it's absurd. Yeah, we'll yeah. see. We'll see when uh, Adrian Morejon is uh, in the running for the Cy Young, Chris, and then, then I'll remind you. Padres obviously a wild card, right? And and Frank, yeah, you yeah. have Dodgers as the wild Easy. card. I have I have the Dodgers in the wild card. Let's go over to the National League Central. Who this for me was actually the toughest division to to choose. The toughest, top for to sure. Bottom, it's just along with the NL East. The NL East, I think, is pretty tough too. But uh, yeah, for different reasons. <laughs> NL Central is yeah. probably the worst division in baseball, <laughs> and NL East might be the best. Yeah. So, who do you guys have in in the NL Central? So I went with the Reds, which seems to be an unpopular choice. I'm, I'm seeing a lot of other people picking them for fourth. I could see it. I got the Cubs fourth. I could see the Cubs winning. But basically, we, I know the Pirates aren't winning, but it could be any four yeah. of the others. Uh, you know, the Reds might have defensive issues because they're playing so many guys out of position. But I do think, I do think their their rotation looks the strongest, especially when everybody's healthy, and, and frankly, even when everybody's not. Honestly, their lineup is, is at least the deepest. The Cardinals have a couple. Uh, you know, they have Arenado and Goldschmidt, obviously, but I think both might be headed the wrong direction. The Brewers have Yelich, who I think is going to bounce back, but they, they're kind of shallow at the bottom of the lineup. Uh, and and even, the, the pitchers that are good on the Brewers are going to have innings problems, I think. So, yeah, I go with the Reds. Yeah, I went with the Brewers. Um, I think the offense bounces back. And I they might, they could be the best defensive team in baseball. I mean, I think they'll have one of, if not the best outfield defense in the league when they have Bradley, Kane, and Yelich out there. Um, so I think that'll help a lot. And But yeah, I, I could see the the four teams in the NL, NL Central being separated by five games. All right, so we actually have breaking news. This is not an April Fool's oh, Day on. joke. Uh, Francisco Lindor and the Mets have a deal. 10 years, $341 million. What was that second number? 10 years, $341 million. Okay. That's good. So Hmm. he will be getting paid annually $34 million per year. Uh, For the next decade, Lindor will be with the New York Mets. So Steve Cohen opening up the wallet. And um, I think it's perfect. I mean... um, it's a nice market to be in, obviously, with the Mets there. It's, he's a very marketable player. Lindor is good. Good. Uh, They'll be happy with that for at least five years. Yeah. I think. Yep. Uh, we'll see what happens on the back end there. Uh, <laughs> I have the the Cardinals winning the National League Central, but again, I think it's I think it's really tough. I have Cardinals, Brewers, Reds, and Cubs in that order. Obviously, the Pirates are last in the division. How about the NL East? Do you have the Mets winning it now? They got their guy Lindor. Could I certainly don't. see it. Could certainly see it. Um, they get Carrasco back. They get Cindergard back. And that one through five is, you know, it, it compares to the Dodgers and the Padres. I think it's worse than the Dodgers and the Padres, but it compares to it. But, you know, things always go wrong for the Mets, right? Um, <laughs> and things always seem to go right for the Braves. So. <laughs> the, the Braves one through five when they get Soroka back is pretty strong, too. It's not as high end as uh, the Mets is. But it's it's it, I would put it in the top five in baseball, and the lineup is after the Dodgers is probably the best in the National League. So I I got the Braves winning the division. The Mets are my second wild card team after the Padres. But you know it was tough predicting this division all the way through. I hated to put the Marlins last. Yeah, but oh, I think they're easily last. Mm-hmm. I think they're probably ten games behind everyone else. At they're least. the best. They're the best last place team. I, I don't know that the record will show it at the end because the other four teams are so good. But I think they're. I think in most divisions they wouldn't be last. Yeah, I picked the Mets. Uh, love the rotation. Think the bullpen's pretty good. Uh, this is a team with quite a few um, contingency plans in the lineup, especially. Um, so you know, I think they could they could afford an injury to a Jeff McNeil. And still be okay. They could afford, um, you know, an injury to one of the corner outfielders because if Jose Martinez needs to play regularly, you know, it's not the worst thing in the world. Um, this is a team that does have actually, for the first time in a long time, for a Mets team, uh, they've actually got some depth. 
Yeah, and I like the Mets as well. It was a really close call. I think if Carrasco hadn't got hurt, and um, obviously we're waiting on center guard. Look, the second half of the season, they could be phenomenal. But I do think the Atlanta Braves, the more complete team now, they have the experience there as well. Um, so I chose the Braves to win the division, and I have the Mets joining the Dodgers as my two wild card teams. Who do you guys have coming out of the National League? Or do I even need to ask? Well, I I picked <laughs> the Dodgers. I mean, I, 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 I kind of feel like the pick should be a declaration of who you think the best team in the league is and not, you know, you, you dreaming up some fantastic scenario that's plausible, but... <laughs> you know, I, like I could any see team could, any team could make it to the World Series, but that's not like you don't pick that. I, I presume it still lines up so that the did did they change it? The the bet the team with the best record in the league plays the wild card team, the wild card winner first, right? Yep. Which would be the winner of Padres and Mets. And I could totally see them upsetting the Dodgers in a short series, and the Braves just have to knock off the Padres or the Mets, right? That'd be easier. <laughs> Uh, but no, I, I got that. I picked the Dodgers out of the NL, and I picked them beating the Yankees in the World Series. Oh, I was Same. gonna, I was gonna save the World Series picks, but it's fine. Sorry, no, it's I fine. got the exact same one. All right, well, I've got the Padres with the best record in the National League, so I'm going with them to make it to the World Series against the White Sox. And that's right, you guessed it. Mercy, the White Sox are your 2021 World Series winners over the San Diego Padres. Uh, let's just hit some of these award winners real quick. Rookie of the year. Scott, who do you have? American League and National League. So National League is easy. To yeah. Brian Hayes. I think it's going to be a runaway. He was the he had the highest rookie war in the NL last year, and he didn't even play 30 games. So I don't know what would have happened if he won rookie of the year, if they could give it to him twice. I don't know. But yeah, it's going to be Brian Hayes. And then in the AL, uh, I, I think Randy Arozarena is Randy Arozarena is a pretty safe call there. You don't think of him as a rookie. I think Andrew Vaughn's defensive war is going to bring down his overall war so much that it'll be pretty easy not to give it to him, even if he does everything he should offensively. Chris, what do you think? Rookie of the year? Taylor Trammell in the American League. I love it. Uh, I'm I'm a big fan of his. I've got him on a lot of my teams. And of course, Ian Anderson. Who else? <laughs> Consistency. You got to stick with it. But but the guy who one of my bold predictions was he's top five in the American League against Cy Young. I think that would get him, or in the National League. Yeah. That, that would get him the rookie of the year. <laughs> that certainly would. I'm with Scott. I have Cabrian Hayes winning it in the National League. And I also have a Mariners outfielder, but not Taylor Trammell. I have Jared Kelnick. I think he could be up by mid-April. And I don't think it's out of the realm of possibility for him to go 2020 as a rookie, 20 home runs and 20 steals would certainly make him uh, awesome for fantasy purposes. Yeah. So Kelnick winning the American League Rookie of the Year. Who do you guys have at Cy Young? These were my chalkiest picks. Yeah, I got I got Jacob DeGrom winning in the NL. I got Shane Bieber repeating in the AL. I, I feel like this is the this is the award to go chalk because it's so hard to break through and become an elite pitcher. So, yeah. There's no need DeGrom to get cute with it. Like, DeGrom is so much better than everyone. Uh, I went with Garrett Cole, but Shane Bieber could be at it as well. I'd take one. Yeah. I think those I, I could have picked Bieber over Cole in all these fantasy leagues. And <laughs> yeah. Like, that, that's, that's I have Bieber Cole higher. So, yeah. It's yeah. True. But it's like, I think those three are so far ahead of everyone in fantasy. And I think it's true mm -hmm. in real life as well. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. If I was actually betting on it, I, I would bet on Garrett Cole in the American League and Jacob DeGrom in the National League. But if I was not choosing those two, I would go with Giolito in the American League and uh, Aaron Nola in the National League. Let's call it my non-Cole and DeGrom Cy Young Award winners, if, if I had to choose some. Let's wrap up here with the MVP. Ooh, these are fun. I, I've been saying all preseason, Corey Seager is my pick for NL MVP. He was one of the three Dodgers candidates I was referring to earlier, the other two being Betts and Bellinger, of course, both former MVPs already. I think Seager joins that club this year. And then my AL pick is Shohei Otani, who if he makes good on uh, delivering his base, best case scenario on both sides of the field, uh, I, I think it'll be hard to give it to anyone else because... Ooh. He'll be he'll he'll 
be such a valuable player. Spicy. Shohei Otani winning the American League MVP for Scott. Chris, who do you have? MVP, AL, NL. Well, uh, unlike Scott, I'm not going to pick someone from a team who's not going to make the playoffs according to my picks. So, I picked Mike Trout. I have the Angels making the playoffs. and I think if the Angels make the playoffs, Mike Trout's going to be the MVP. That's fair. I just like they're not just they don't make the playoffs. He, he should be the favorite anyway, right? If he if they don't make the playoffs, he's probably going to win MVP. Yeah. Who do you have in the National League? Oh, that's right. Uh, <laughs> the National League's version of yeah. Mike Trout, Juan Soto. Ooh. All right. Those are. I mean, I would say those are pretty chalky picks too, right? But they're good picks. They make a lot of sense. Um, can Soto actually win it if the Nationals don't make the playoffs? Though. Of course, Frank. Come on. Okay. Don't. don't. I'm not going to say no voter does that anymore, but most don't. Most just I mean, look at war and they're like, okay, this guy had the most war. He's my MVP. If everyone thinks he's going to be the best hitter in baseball, yeah, you could well, probably do it. His defense is going to drag down his war, so I'll just I'll bring that up. Yeah, he's, he's, he's more athletic now. All he's right. doing Pilates. The best for last, <laughs> of course. I've got shortstops. It's all about the shortstops this season. In the National League, Padres have the best record in baseball. Fernando Tatis could have a 30-30 season. He's an awesome defender. He's the face of baseball now, I would say, or about to be the face of baseball. Uh, he wins, how old is he, 22 years old, 23 years old? He wins the MVP for the National League. And on the other side, probably my boldest take of all, Tim Anderson. He is the one that I have riding the most on this fantasy season, and I'm sticking with it. 25 home runs, 25 steals. The White Sox have the best record in the American League. They go on to win the World Series. Obviously, that doesn't matter for the MVP anyway, but um, Tim Anderson wins the MVP back-to-back MVPs from the Chicago White Sox. There you go, guys. We did it. Next time we are talking, we will be analyzing a lot of baseball, a lot of stuff to talk about. Happy opening day to everybody out there. Happy birthday to Scott. For Chris and Scott, I am Frank Diggle, all for listening and watching Fantasy Baseball today. We'll be back again tomorrow. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.